Pittsburgh Steelers fans and BTSC Nation, it's time once again for another episode of You Know It. Here we go, the Steelers pregame show. This is pregame show officially. It's going to be pregame show number. Just had a mic drop there. Sorry about that. This is going to be pregame show number six officially in the 2022 season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming to town this week to face the one and four Pittsburgh Steelers. It's like one of my favorite 80s bands right now for the Steelers, Dire Straits. Kevin Smith, what is going on? Well, that's a great question. What's going on? I mean, we're uh, we're gearing up for Tom Brady, and I guess that's, I get, you know, everybody kind of acknowledges that this season's not going the way the Steelers want it to, and obviously you'd like things to be looking a little better in the one loss column. And there may be uh, some reasons for pessimism this, this weekend with the, the Bucks and Brady coming in. But uh, I just, you know, Brady's the, just the villain that, uh, that keeps on giving, you know, he just, he's the kind of guy that when he comes to town, you can't help but get a little excited for it. And it usually ends badly. You know, it usually ends with you being, being more miserable than, than when you started. But at the same time, when you beat Tom Brady, that, I mean, that's just like one of those moments that you never forget. So, hey, there's a chance. There's a chance the Steelers could could pull off a an upset that makes this season worthwhile. He's like the Joker or the Penguin or maybe the Riddler who you could count on to be on every couple of episodes of Batman back in when it was great back in the late 60s. And he's not like Egghead or King Tut where, you know, you know, you see them once and you never see him again, Kevin. No, like losing to Egghead. That's like when we lost to Mike Glennon. Uh, but, but, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, but if you're losing to Tom Brady, yeah, you're losing to the King. I mean, that's the Joker. So, um, and he just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what your feelings on Tom Brady are. I mean, I, I we can all probably guess what all Steelers fans' uh, feelings about Tom Brady are. But the big, the interesting thing for me was when Brady left New England, it, it now became a question of who did I really hate? Did I really hate Brady or did I really hate the Patriots. And I think what I found out is I really, I really just like dislike Brady because really? I don't, I don't feel any anima, not anima. I don't like the Patriots, but I don't, I don't dislike them now the way I used to when Brady was there. And, and I really dislike the bucks now. I just, I don't know, man. I mean, how do you, how do you like the guy who uh, has done everything, you know, who's, who's ridiculously successful in his professional career, who's married a supermodel, who, who seems to who who routinely beats your favorite team? I think his career record against the Steelers is twelve and three. Um, who's you know worth a gazillion dollars? I mean, there's no way to like that person, is there? How can you be a self? How can you be self-respecting and like that person? He's kind of like Justin Timberlake, where you don't realize that he's probably a pretty cool guy, and then Timberlake goes on SNL and you're like, all right, he's okay, but I hated him because all the women loved him. Everybody thought this guy was great. And then you just find out he's one of the guys. Maybe that's what I'm kind of thinking that maybe Brady is. I don't know. But the fact that he's the king of the hill, like you said, that's a reason not to like him. I kind of go in the opposite direction because I don't mind him as much now. Uh, it goes back to I'm a Belichick hater. Now, am I a Belichick hater? Yes. Do I respect Belichick more than anybody that's ever coached the game? 
And now some people will go ahead and, well, that's coaching the game in the last 20 years. Let's put it that way. Because, you know, a lot of people will go back to the Spygate and all that stuff. But even the stuff he's doing now with, with hardly a shred of a team, he's still finding ways to win, ways to do stuff. He's a teacher. I think he's real amazing. He's really good. But when it comes to the Steelers, he's haunted my dreams. Yeah. And it's uh, it's not Brady as for me as much as it is Belichick. He's the uh, that's the evil empire right now for me, and it's always going to be. When it was Brady against Mahomes and the Chiefs, you bet your butt I was rooting for Brady, even though Antonio Brown was on that team. I was still rooting for Brady. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, we I think we all can acknowledge that had Brady and Belichick been Steelers, they would be. Uh, our favorite players, our favorite coaches ever. Obviously, we're we're envious of what they've been able to accomplish for for sure. But I'm glad he's coming to town. It's a bad Steelers team right now. It's a Steelers team in chaos. Uh, it seems that way anyway. Uh, they 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 seem to have hit a, a low point in Buffalo last weekend, and you know they they can always go lower. I mean, we don't know how how where their floor is to be exact, but at the same time there's an opportunity this weekend to completely change the narrative on the entire season. Uh, a win over Brady and the Bucks, while it seems like a long shot would really be a remarkable thing, but uh, tremendous for the, their confidence for the, just for the narrative about this particular team. So again, uh, you know, we're not, we're not naive here. We all understand the, the odds that they're up against, but at the same time, it, it's worth being excited about because it's a, a chance to really change the entire season. This is the section of the show the first half where we talk about last week's game, not doing that this week. And the reason being is we could just sum that up in one word. And I just say debacle, you know, you could, you could come up with, you know, other names for it. It, it. it was just bad. It was a total team loss. There are some bright spots that the Steelers can look at. So that's what I want to ask you about this week. If there were any bright spots to come out of that game, if there's any silver lining to come out of that game, and you can't say that the Steelers don't play the Bills anymore this season. No, that's that's not the silver lining. But what I'm saying is, what do you see good? And I know there's two obvious choices, and you could discuss those. But what are you excited about that you think that this is not a complete lost campaign? Well... I'll, t- I'll talk about one of the obvious things and then I'll sort of expand that a little bit. I mean, one, one of the obvious things is Kenny Pickett. Uh, I thought that he really did well for himself in that game, despite the fact that the team only scored three points. I mean, I've read some comments where people are being critical of him because of his stat line. He's got no touchdowns and four interceptions and the team only scored three points last week. And you cannot judge Kenny Pickett by the numbers that this season because uh, he's just up against too many things. With that offense, you know, a line that's still coming together, receivers that haven't all gotten on the same page and he hasn't had much time to gel with, a coordinator who, who let's be honest, kind of seems overmatched at times right now. And, um, you know, so so to sort of put the, the sum of all that on Kenny Pickett is unfair. I think what you have to judge him by are the things that he does that uh, professional quarterbacks do. And those include things like, anticipating receivers coming open, which he does fabulously. He he's made a couple of throws in his six quarters of play that have just been brilliant uh, in terms of being able to see what's going to happen on the field 
and throw the ball before it's happened. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that Brady has done. And again, that's not a literal comparison, but just to say that these are things that really good quarterbacks do. I mean, to see a receiver who's not yet out of his break, who's got his back to you and is covered and understand that uh, when you put the ball in the air right now, by the time it gets to him, he's going to have turned around and the, and the coverage is going to have moved and he's going to be open. And to be able to do that with a pass rush in your face is pretty darn good. And Pickett's done that a bunch of times. Uh, to be able to sort of dispel the narrative that his arm's not that strong. I mean, he made a couple of throws uh, last week from the opposite hash to the far sideline that he put right on the money uh, that are big boy NFL throws. Um, but more than any of that, it's the leadership. I mean, you already he's already the leader of the offense. He's already the guy who is talking in his press conferences and, and conversations with the media about, uh, being the one to, to get everybody else on the same page and and to be sort of the, the the person who's urging his teammates to work harder. We saw some of those comments this week. And he's already the guy that his teammates on offense have said is a difference maker in the huddle. And they're not talking about his play, but about, about his intangibles. So, so I think that that uh, right there is reason to get really excited. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And now, this is the segment of the show where I ask you a question that you cannot answer whatsoever because nobody humanly possible can. But what do you think that Mitch Trubisky does against the Buffalo Bills? Is it a whole lot worse? Well, it's not worse than three points. I mean, Mitch Trubisky could have put up three points against the Bills, but there are some things that Pickett does that Trubisky can't do that or, or, or won't do that separate the two. And one of the biggest ones is, is the anticipation factor. There was a pretty good breakdown on our Slack channel. Uh, I can't remember if it was Bradley or Jeffrey or one of them sent some, some screenshots from the all 22 of, of uh, the fee- what the field looked like with, with uh, Trubisky and Pickett in the pocket and um, you know, the results of plays and, and what the field looked like were the cluttered pictures where Pickett wound up completing passes uh, on, against those cluttered pictures because he understood what was going to happen. And Trubisky did not. Trubisky wound up eating the ball for sacks or missing open receivers or tucking it and bailing out of the pocket because he didn't have the presence to either stand in there while the rush was collapsing uh, on him or to to hold the ball for a beat and, and let the picture clear up and then throw the football or to throw guys open, you know. Part of being an NFL quarterback is just being able to anticipate. And and Trubisky doesn't seem to have that. And and Pickett does. And that's a big reason why there, there's a separation. So while, again, I don't think the result would have been much different, uh, the change the Steelers made was largely because of what they see down the road. They I think they see Pickett will evolve. And I don't think that they see Trubisky will. But I think there's another reason they made the change. If you if you If you go back to the Jets game, the first half of that game was just listless. The offense was going nowhere, and the stadium was dead. I mean, here the Steelers were at home against a team they were supposed to beat, and there was no energy in the stadium. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they just didn't feel like Mitch Trubisky was the guy that was taking him anywhere. And when Pickett came into the game, everything changed. I mean, the place was electric. And I, I expect uh, the stadium to be electric again this weekend with with Pickett against the Bucks. I think he brings an energy and a sense of optimism that Trubisky doesn't, and I think that matters as well. One of the reasons I brought that question up, KT, is this. Because I envision if Mitch Trubisky's in that game that this score might be 52-3. to three. 
And the reason I say that is because I can see less time of possession and more time for Buffalo to score points. Because I think, you know, Mitch uh, would not have the extended drives against that team that Kenny did, even though they didn't end up in points. Things happened. He got towards the red zone a few times and he got inside Buffalo territory. It just didn't work out because you think of the the missed field goals by Boswell in the wind. You think of a few things. I just think that it could have been a whole heck of a lot worse. Yeah. And, and I think that Matt Canada gets more conservative with Trubisky in the game. Uh, he still lapses into that with, with um, Pickett in the game. I mean, the Steelers had a really, a really well-designed and well-called opening drive where they mixed it up. They went 10 plays and 65 yards down the field. They couldn't finish. So they settled for a field goal. But they did a lot of really interesting stuff. I mean, they really mixed up the personnel groups and their formations and their motions and their play calls. And then they just went flat after that. They went three straight three and outs after that. Um, and, you know, a 7-3 game became a 24-3 to game after those three possessions. And on two of those three possessions, Canada followed the run-run pass formula. Run on first down, run on second down. Now it's third and long and the Steelers can't convert. And and we and that's a formula I think that that the Steelers revert to when they don't feel very confident in the quarterback. And so you may have seen a lot of that with Trubisky. Well, that drives me absolutely crazy, of course. Now, another guy that is really exciting to talk about, of course, it's a no-brainer. His name is George Pickens. Yeah, he's really turned into a playmaker, and and the chemistry that he and uh Pickett have together is already as evident. I mean, in just six quarters of play with Pickett, Pickens has 10 catches for almost 200 yards in just six quarters. Uh, whereas in the first two and a half games, I think he caught maybe four balls, something like that. He was almost a non-factor. So he, his his production has exploded since uh, Pickett has stepped into the huddle. And, uh, you know, he's not a complete receiver yet. I mean, it's unfair to ask him to be one. I mean, you got to remember, this is a guy – who missed most of his final year in college because of an injury and, and only played about a game and a half and, you know, had, has now had just four uh, five NFL games. So he's got a lot to learn. He still does some things that are um, selfish in a way in that, you know, he's not always running his route as hard as he can when he knows he's not a, a primary option. Uh, he Sometimes he gets a little bit lazy and, and he tries to get open uh, if – you know, even if it compromises the route. I mean, there are times in a, in a route where you you release a certain way for a reason. For example, let's say let's say you're you're playing. A, you have an alley defender over top of you, and your job is that is to outside release the alley defender. If you don't outside release the alley defender, you try to go. You might say, "Hey, I, I got a better path to get open if I go inside of him." But when you go inside of him, if he compresses you, now he might be able to smush you into the to, to the next route. And, and not only have you covered yourself, but you've covered another receiver. Whereas you, if you outside release him and you force him to widen, it'll open up that second route. So, and Pickens will do things like that. He'll, he'll try to run around to get himself open, even if that means he's compromising the integrity of the concept. So he's got to learn to not do that, to not be selfish in that regard, to finish all of his plays. Um, but, you know, again, man, that's, that's stuff that's going to come. That's stuff that hopefully uh, he'll be – He'll, he'll, he'll get it. Frisman Jackson will be able to coach those habits out of him. But as far as the athleticism, the playmaking, um, 
you know, just the, the presence. He's now become a presence out there. Uh, he's been fabulous. And he's not the only one. But, I mean, we're talking about Pickens and Pickett as two rookies who have, who have opened some eyes. But there's there's other guys out there. You know, this rookie class so far, you can throw in Jalen Warren. Uh, DeMarvin Leal has really been, uh, you know, coming on the last couple of weeks, taking on a bigger and bigger role. So, I mean, they've got some guys uh, as rookies who who look to be pretty impressive. Absolutely, they do. Is there any other bright spot that you could see on this team right now that really made you feel good watching the Buffalo game, or are we still searching for that? Well, I mean, we're searching for a lot of things right now. I mean, I'll be honest, there weren't a lot of bright spots. I mean, the offensive line's getting better each week. That's a good thing. Uh, James Daniels is becoming kind of the alpha of that group, which is really nice to see. I mean, uh, even before uh, he flattened uh, Kenny Pickett's former teammate at the University of Pittsburgh, um, number three on the Bills, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, who who hit Pickett when he was going into his slide in the second half there. And oh, yeah. Daniels and came t- over and on the tip of my yeah, tongue. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, Daniels came over and leveled him and, you know, drew a flag, et cetera. But that that, that was all well worthwhile. I mean, 100% back what he, his actions in that moment, having to stand up for the quarterback there. He's becoming a presence. You know, he's physical and and he's moving guys off the ball. And the unit as a whole is starting to come together uh, a lot better. So, so their growth is good. I mean, they're nowhere near where they need to be. But their their growth is encouraging. Um, but you know, I'm, unfortunately, there's a lot, you know, many more negatives than there are positives right now with this group. And it's Demar Hamlin. It just came to me. Okay. So that was the name Hamlin, and you know they they were uh, teammates in college, and uh, well, maybe not. Uh, maybe they might not be going out to dinner anymore when the the two franchises meet. Who knows? I'll be honest. I didn't think it was a dirty hit. I thought it was a borderline. It wasn't a necessary hit. I didn't think it was necessary. I think in today's game, it should have drawn a flag because of the, of the vigilance with which officials are now trying to protect quarterbacks. But I mean, I, you know, I'm just speaking as somebody who played safety in college when the quarterback's out of the pocket, scrambling like that, you're going as hard as you can, as fast as you can uh, to try to hit him. And uh, at the moment that Pickett goes into his slide, Hamlin is starting to lower his shoulder. And so at that point, it's almost impossible for him to pull off. I'm not defending him. I'm not defending the hit. Obviously, as a Steelers fan, it angers you because you feel like somebody took a shot at your quarterback. Uh, I was angry they didn't throw a flag because, again, it should be a flag in today's game. But at the same time, if that was a Steelers defender hitting a quarterback in that in that same scenario, I think a lot of us would have been defending the hit and saying to ourselves, you know, like how's he supposed to pull up at that at that point? So, so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I don't necessarily think Pickett will hold a grudge on that one. Yeah, and I understand that completely. I think he was more upset with the whole Shaq Lawson thing going after his legs. So, Kevin, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and take a break. We're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming into town. It's Tom Brady and company and. I think it's going to be a dandy. So stick around. We'll be back right after this on Here We Go, the Steelers pregame. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are back once again, better 
than ever. We may feel beaten. We may feel down, but we will rise to fight another day. And that's how we feel about our Pittsburgh Steelers, KT Smith. It is one in four. I am the positive guy. Maybe I'm a little bit of a homer, but I'm the guy that says, hey, I've seen one in four. And just three years ago, I've seen it happen. And it could happen again. <sighs> but it's going to be tough when you have a stretch that started with Buffalo last week. Then it's Tampa. Then it's Miami in prime time on their 50th anniversary of the 1972 season. That's what they're going to be celebrating that week. And then, you know, the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. Hopefully they're still undefeated when Pittsburgh rolls into Philadelphia. But we'll talk about that in a few weeks. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know you've got to beat Brady, but is he the most potent weapon on that offense? Not not anymore. I'll get to that in a sec. But just, just to reference the schedule you mentioned, it just dawned on me. The Steelers have a great chance to be spoilers over the next three weeks. I mean, you can you can spoil Tom Brady coming back to, to Pittsburgh. Uh, anytime you beat him, it feels like you've spoiled something. You can spoil uh, Miami's celebration of their undefeated team, and you could spoil potentially Philly uh, being undefeated when you, when you go there in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, there's a, there's a really interesting, you know, motivational uh, angle here for the Steelers. If, if the coaching staff wants to play that and, but realistically, you know, the Steelers just have to get better at X's and O's and execution. So, I mean, as far as your question about what do they focus on? Well, you know, Tom Brady throughout his career, he's averaged about 312 yards passing per game against the Steelers and he's, and he's 12 and three and his touchdown interception ratio is absurd. Uh, I mean, it's 46 touchdowns to, to five interceptions in 15 games. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's three touchdowns per game against less than half an interception per game and over 300 yards passing. So obviously he's had tremendous success, but you know, it, it's all come in new England. And so now he's with a different cast of characters. The problem is this cast of characters is really good too. I, you know, I, I mean, you, you, you read down Tampa's lineup and you're just checking off star player after star players, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, uh, you know, a, a step, you know, a solid offensive line. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball and you're looking at guys like Devin White, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Antoine Winfield. I mean, it's like one after another of guys that you're like, hey, man, they're really good football players. So so obviously this is a loaded Tampa team. You know, the interesting thing will be, can the Steelers maybe catch the Bucks in a trap game? I mean, they're sandwiching this game between two divisional opponents. They had a tough fight against Atlanta last week. You know, I mean, Tampa kind of owned that game, but the score was close. And then they have Tampa. Uh, I'm sorry, they have Carolina the week following the Steelers, which is you know not a huge rival, but it's a it's a road divisional game, and those are always tough games. And so, you know, I mean, you may look at they may look at Pittsburgh as a soft spot on their schedule, and hopefully that works to the Steelers' benefit. Let's talk about that defense, though. Man, it has some injuries on that defense. I know Carlton Davis is. Uh, not exactly completely healthy. I still think he may possibly play. I'm not sure, but they're tough. And you've got the one Devin when we were talking about stairway to Devin just three years ago. The Steelers got Devin Bush a few picks earlier. I would say five picks earlier. They got their own Devin, and that Devin is pretty special there. Yeah, I mean, he's really good. And and the Bucks defense has been you know pretty much lights out. 
They only gave up three points to Dallas in their opener. They gave up 10 to New Orleans. They lost to Green Bay, but they held Aaron Rodgers to 14 points. They gave up 15 last week to Atlanta. I mean, the only game where they kind of got gashed was they gave up the 40, 41 to Mahomes and the Chiefs, but that's Mahomes and the Chiefs. You know, that's that's a, a different story. So they've been really good. Um, you know, they are, they're all three and two. And I mean, they, they struggled with Atlanta last week. They, uh, they struggled with new Orleans in, in week two, neither of those teams are particularly impressive. So it's not like, uh, they've been running away from teams, but at the same time, they usually are good on defense and then Brady will find a way, uh, to make something happen to beat you. And that's the recipe they've been using. It really is. And how do you beat that defense is my question. The big thing is, I mean, the Steelers just, I think it starts with the coaching staff. They, they've they got to be better in terms of their game planning on both sides of the ball. You know, I mean, Matt Canada takes a lot of heat, and rightfully so. He seems to he seems to run out of gas or out of ideas at some point every week. There seems to be a point in just about every game where the, the offense just goes flat for a period. Where, where, like, take last week. The Steelers come out, put together a really nice opening drive, well-scripted. Um, and then they come back and Buffalo makes an adjustment or two. And now suddenly kind of gets stuck and it, and you have these three, three and outs. And by the time the Steelers sort of start mixing things up again and, and figure out, uh, how to counter what Buffalo's done, the game's 20, it's 24, three and the game's over. So, I mean, he's got to be able to adjust quicker and react quicker to the things that the defense is doing to take away. And then on the other side of the ball, this is really with a frustrating thing. Everybody thought the defense would be the Steelers strength. And I know, I know that there's a lot of injuries and, and especially in the secondary and you, you're banged up in the secondary, you go up against Josh Allen, you got some problems, but I mean, I just didn't think that the Steelers did some things scheme wise that were very smart. Like take the 98 yard touchdown that Buffalo scored that on the third play of the game. I mean, that game starts, the Steelers kick it off. Buffalo, you know, fumbles the the kickoff. The Steelers pin them down at the two yard line. They try a couple of run plays and Pittsburgh stuffs them. And now it's third and 10 from the two yard line. And you think to yourself, all right, you got a great opportunity here to get a three and out, you know, a punt into the wind and, and some great field position. And what do the Steelers do, man? They bring Minka Fitzpatrick on a safety blitz and they go man coverage across the board and they try to play a bracket coverage on Gabe Davis. But the safety, because it's third and, and 10, anticipates like a quick route at the sticks. So he gambles and undercuts the route uh, rather than like capping it and playing over the top. And they run post and there's nobody in the middle of the field. And it's a 98 yard touchdown. It was just it was a reckless play call, in my opinion. You know, like you're bringing make First of all, you're bringing Minka Fitzpatrick on a safety blitz. I mean, I, if there's one guy I want in the sky or, or, or defending the pass in that situation, it's Minka Fitzpatrick, who's been absolutely fabulous. Find another blitzer. And then second, man, you you know, you're like, why, why risk? Why go for the interception there? Why undercut the route in that situation when, you know, you can cap the route and maybe get a pass breakup, or if it's a quick slant, make a tackle and force them to punt. So, so I just thought that that was a, a tone setting play for the rest of the game and a call that was unnecessary. So, I mean, I just think the Steelers, if they're going to gamble, they have to do it, you know, at the right times and with the right personnel. Otherwise, they got to be more fundamentally sound, and, and that starts with the coaching staff. Here's a question for you, Kevin, as we get ready to wrap this up. The Steelers really need to make sure that a rough start to the year does not become a rough year. So is this kind of last chance gas for the Pittsburgh Steelers for 2022? I don't think this week is because, again, even if you win this week, you, you, you still have two more really difficult games. 
you know, ideally, if the Steelers have any shot to make the playoffs, they've got to win two out of the next three and get into their bye week at three and five. And that's a tall task for them right now, uh, given the, the quality of the opposition. I think the more realistic go- goal for the Steelers, the thing that really can save their season is progress. I don't think it's necessarily wins and losses. I don't think it's necessarily a focus on the playoffs. I think that those things right now uh, are a little unrealistic. That What they have to do is they have to get better, not get worse. I mean, they 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 have regressed, uh, especially on defense. And while certain units like the offensive line have improved or certain individuals like the quality of the quarterback play has improved in other areas, they just, they just haven't been as good. And, and there's a million excuses, you know, I mean, one of the biggest reasons they're struggling on defense, they can't, they can't rush the passer. And then why can't they rush the passer? Well, because TJ Watts not in, but if your entire success is dependent upon one guy, then that's a problem because of the nature of the NFL and the injuries. So, I mean, the Steelers have to figure it out. They got one sack in the last three weeks. If you, if you let guys stand back there and, and throw the football in the NFL, they're going to pick you apart. So, I mean, for the Steelers, for me, the big thing is let's, let's see them get better. You know, let's find a way to get, get some heat and some pressure on Tom Brady. Let's, let's find a way to be a little tighter in coverage. The soft zones the Steelers have been playing have been infuriating. Uh, let's find a way to tighten up the red zone coverage. I mean, how many times are we going to watch the Steelers defensive backs watch a guy catch a touchdown pass in front of him in the end zone? I mean, in the end zone, like throws have to go over your head. The ball's got to go over your head to the back to the back end of the, of the end zone. You can't be four yards deep in the end zone watching guys catch the ball at the goal line for touchdowns. So it's little stuff like that that they have to improve upon if they want any shot down the road. I agree wholeheartedly. Are you going to uh, give the Steelers team any chance in this game with your prediction? I really am, actually. I know that I just spent, you know, 10 minutes trashing them, but um, I I really am. I just, I think this is a game the Steelers will be jacked up for. I mean, I think it's, it's going to feel like a make or break game. I think Mike Tomlin took a lot of heat and justifiably so this past week for their performance in Buffalo. Even some of, you know, Ryan Clark's comments about the Steelers not being prepared. I think that stuff cut Mike Tomlin a little bit because he and Ryan Clark are tight. Um, I think Tomlin will be motivated. I think Pickett will be motivated for his first home start. I think the crowd will be into it because they hate Tom Brady. Uh, and I hope, I hope that, you know, Tampa maybe kind of overlooks this one a little bit sandwiched between two divisional games. Uh, you know, that said, as a prediction, I'm still, I still pick Tampa to win, but I think it'll be closer than people think. And I think the Steelers have a puncher's chance. Yeah, I'm hoping. I, I thought maybe they were going to catch Buffalo on the off week, but, you know, I was kind of wrong on that. Um, really wrong. So I'm I'm still thinking that the Steelers have a chance in this game, so I cannot wait to see it. So batten down the hatches as they take on the Buccaneers. It's time for Dude of the Week, and I know who I'm going with this week. And it's beca- because of a performance got? last week. You've already met him in the show. It's Jimmy I D. Th- I was going to say, I think we have the same guy. That's my guy, too. It's got to be James Daniels. Yeah, what would you, you like about that? Well, let me ask you a question. I'm going to ask you yeah. a question. You're a football coach. We all know that. Are you? You have no problem giving away that 15 yard penalty in that situation, protecting a player, right? Zero problem. None at all. I would have been infuriated if somebody didn't do something in that situation. You know, if if that's a if that's a 17 14 game, I'm pissed. Because that's a scenario where you have to, you know, you have to, you have to use your head and you have to think a little bit more. You can protect your quarterback when the game is on the line like that in other ways. 
But in a blowout loss, when your team is getting embarrassed, uh, if if no one does anything there, if nobody shows any fight at that point, man, the message that sends through the locker room is, you know, who do, who's got anybody's back? Does anybody have anybody's back on this football team? And and I thought James Daniels, at a minimum, it's a low bar to set, but he said it at least. He said, I got your back. I got your back. And that's coming from a guy who's now proving it between the whistles, you know, who's getting it done when it really does count. Um, that's a big thing too, you know, that it came from a, of a guy who's emerging as a leader. I thought so. So I give him, you know, props for that. Absolutely. And I'm going to give some honorable mention. They do not really merit this award like James Daniels. So he gets it, but I want to give honorable mention to two guys that spoke out after the game. One was really impassioned and it was miles Jack talking about, how they were embarrassed and how that sticks with you for a long time. But it seems like a guy like that's going to do something about it. Then there's Arthur Mallette, who was just pissed off that this team was laughing on the sidelines. What does that mean to you as a coach when you have guys speaking out like that? Is it action speak louder than words or do those words help make action happen? No, I mean, I'm all for that. And and I, honestly, as, as a head coach, I would have been embarrassed to hear those comments uh, because that's my job. That's the, that's the head coach's job to, to set the tone uh, and manage the demeanor of, of the team that you're coaching. And, and if you don't do that, if you can't get guys locked in, uh, if you can't, you know, make them understand, you know, the gravity of the situation, uh, then, you know, that's on you. So, so, I mean, you know, some people think it's no big deal and some people say, hey, it's a long season and they and they kind of brush it off. But I was really happy to hear those comments from Arthur Mollette. And I hope that I hope Mike Tomlin took him to heart. You know, I mean, I love Mike Tomlin. I think he's one of the best coaches in the NFL and I believe in time, but he's up against it this year and he's going to have to do one of his best coaching jobs, not to get the team to 500, not to get the team into the playoffs, but simply to get the team to believe in themselves and to not give up. I mean, that, that'll be a big deal. We, we don't ever remember as Steelers fans, like teams quitting or teams giving up that we, we make jokes about franchises where that, that happens. Right. And that's never something that's happened in Pittsburgh. So if you're Mike Tomlin in year 15 or year 16, whatever this is for him, you got to still find the fire in your belly to be able to pull a struggling team, you know, back to the surface. And we'll see if you can do that. Absolutely. That is the goal. And let's have the rejuvenation of this team happen in week six at Acrisure Stadium against the Tampa Bay Bucks, Kevin. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm excited to watch the game. All right. Real quick, what's going on with your team this week? Well, we go we go up and play uh, the defending state champs this week uh, who beat us in the sectional championship game last year. Um, so we've got a, uh, we got a tall task, man, but I mean, you know, we, we had a great week of practice. So, you know, they got a wide receiver there who's got offers from Georgia and Alabama and every D one in the country. And he's a uh, really impressive kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't, my team doesn't, <laughs> you know, so we've been, we've been working on some stuff to try to take him out of the game and, uh, you know, so we'll see how it goes. You know, I, I, I love, we got a bunch of young kids this year, man. We're, we got nine underclassmen starting on both sides of the ball and they're, they play with power. I'll tell you what, they play with passion. So we're, we're excited to see what they do against some really high competition. I love to hear that. That's fantastic. Good luck to the red Raiders coming this weekend. Thank you. Good luck to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, it is look, 
the great thing about this is after the game, we had 500 people in the live chat. They were everybody was mad and it was heated, and everybody got angry at each other, angry at the hosts, angry at the live chat. Everybody was angry. But the the great thing about it is people bleed for the black and gold. There's a lot of passion with this team, and the fan base does not go away like they do in Baltimore. I've seen it. I live in Maryland. I've seen them go away. I've seen them go away in Cincinnati. They go away for a long time. It's a bandwagon culture with some NFL teams, and that does not happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if you're listening to the show right now, hats off to you for sticking with this team because I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. It might not happen in 2022, but this could be sowing the seeds of fantastic football going forward. So with that being said, for KT Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. I hope you have a fantastic week. And go Steelers. It's going to be, oh, man, I tell you what. If they can pull it off, Kevin, it's going to be, like Juju used to say, am I saying this right, lit? <laughs> lit indeed, Mr. Davis. Very, <laughs> very, very hip of you. Yeah, yeah. The only thing hip about me is the pain in mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, the replacement you need. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's coming, baby. That's coming. <laughs> so, for Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Make sure you check out all of the great stuff on the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman was this morning. Last night, we had a great episode of the preview of what Ian's talking about happened on Thursday. And there was a special Thursday episode of From the Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey Benedict. Remember then, going forward tonight, this weekend, there's all new episodes of State of the Steelers, Steelers Touchdown Under, Tony's Six Pack on Friday night, and don't forget about We Run the North with Mr. Kevin Tate, another Kevin. Kevin's know what they're talking about here at BTSC, and that's coming up this weekend as well. And don't forget about Dave Schofield. He is going to have last-minute thoughts right before the game on Sunday morning. You check it, check that out. It's going to be, once again, Kevin, say it. Lit. It will be lit. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably so 2018. I don't know. Yeah, but, my son says fire now. He's But he's oh, he's nine. Okay. Like, yeah, that was, that was fire. That was All fire. Right, okay. I, I, I like that. When I he like says that. fire, it just reminds me of Beavis and Butthead. Fire. Fire, you know? <laughs> that's not good for anybody my wife no. won't let me have that t-shirt for some reason i don't understand why i'm a 50 year old man winning a beavis and a butthead cornholio t-shirt all right so for kevin i'm brian keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the hypocycloids we will see you next week 